you're a board chair or an ED. The hunt for the five-star board member never ends. Not because they're hard to find, even though they are, but instead because you think you are adding board members to bring the total up, and then board members either turn term off, get big jobs, or they just lose interest. Sometimes you can't add fast enough to keep a steady number. But in many cases, it's not the quantity that keeps you up at night, it's the quality. I work with a lot of boards to transform them, to find new prospects, to vet them properly, to manage everyone's expectations, and we have some good success. And then there are these cases where a person looks fantastic on paper, passionate about the mission, great professional experience, a wide and new sphere of influence, and yes, even a degree of enthusiasm about fundraising. You scoop them up, and in less than a year, the person who seemed perfect actually wasn't. Or the person has learned that board service isn't for them. What goes wrong? Can you anticipate it? Today, I'm going to talk with someone who would be a catch for nearly any board, at least on paper, and yet she has crashed and burned at three different boards. It's not time to play the blame game for either our guest or the organizations. I believe there is a lesson in all this, and my job is to tease it out. Welcome to Nonprofits Are Messy. Not enough money, too many cooks, and an abundance of passion. Leading nonprofits isn't easy. Joan Gary, the dear Abby of nonprofits, gets it, and she is here to help. My guest today is one of the smartest and most generous people I know. Deeply passionate about a variety of causes, strategic, takes initiative, and she knows a ton of people, including me. Eileen Opetut is my wife of three years and my partner of nearly 35, actor-turned-TV program executive-turned-realtor-developer. During her TV career, she spent eight years at the helm of the Food Network, realizing that a channel about cooking misses the point. Instead, it's actually about food, about making it accessible, and seeing it as a centerpiece in our lives could be wildly successful. And during her tenure, it was. Eileen has never had a positive board experience, courted often, tells folks that she cares about the organization and wants to be of value, but they don't really want her on her board, on their board. Organizations persist, voila, Eileen is a board member. A board member is successful for two reasons, a committed board member ready for the job and a solid nonprofit that nudges and nurtures the board members to fulfill the clear responsibilities set forth during the interview process. It's a road that runs both ways. Eileen, thank you for joining me. You're welcome. Thanks for asking me. So, Eileen, tell me about the first time you were asked to be on a board. Did you say yes right away, and why did you ultimately say yes? I did say yes right away. Um, I was uh, deeply involved in the media, and this was a board that focused on media, but they didn't have any members of the board involved in media just a couple. And I felt that I would make a very good contribution and I was very passionate about the subject. And were you, at the time that you were asked to be on the board, do you believe that the board, that the organization made it really clear what the obligations and responsibilities of board service were? I think that they were very clear about what the obligations were but they weren't as clear about educating me and giving me a background history of the organization itself and how it operates. I kind of was plopped into a situation along with some other new board members where there were board members who had been on 
the board for a number of years. They uh, they simply were adding members as opposed to replacing them. And I don't think we were well prepared in terms of being able to understand the workings of the entire organization. So um, just for, for listeners' point of view, big organizations, small organizations, staff, just give me give up the quick very, snapshot. Uh, very small organization, uh, growing, uh, incredibly important, but uh, and that's where my passion came from. But it was a growing organization, fledgling, and really needed, I felt, a lot of expertise, and I thought I'd be able to do that. Did it have paid staff? It did. It only had about um, somewhere around 15 staff members. And it did have an executive director and a person who was in charge of fundraising and a finance person and all of the other sort of requisite jobs. They just didn't have very many of them. Got it. Actually, for many of my listeners, that's actually quite a large organization, and would that most people would many people who listen would probably give their IT to right. have fifteen staff people. Right. Um, so um, okay. So it sounds like sounds like board orientation was a little um, maybe not uh, very buttoned up. Sounds right. like you, um, you came in with a lot of passion. You clearly came in with an expertise you believe the organization needed. So it, sounds, right. it just on, on, it did sound good. Sounds good. So what? So tell me what what happened. Something went awry. Well, there was the first red flag um, was when the group started divvying up responsibilities, and there were a number of committees that were set up. You know, the usual committees for fundraising and events, and um, you know all the rest. But no one volunteered. To actually either chair the committee, and if they did, it was really just, you know, kind of begrudgingly. And other people didn't volunteer to be on the committee. So I got a little confused. That was a first sign. Okay. The second sign was that, and I didn't realize this, is that board meetings happened very infrequently. Uh, they happened quarterly, and I know that's not unusual, but I felt that I was out of touch with the committee, um, with the board, and the executive director, although a very smart person, really did not communicate very well, and there was very little news of what was going on and what the progress was. So I felt um, that there were a few people who were on the inside who kind of knew what was happening, but I felt very much on the outside. So when you talk about the people who knew what was going on, can I presume you're talking about sort of the board co-chairs or the executive committee or people who met more regularly with senior staff? That was my assumption, that they met more regularly. I think it was more of a phone relationship, but they did speak to one another, it seemed, on a regular basis. And a national organization, correct? So the phone made more sense. It wasn't like it was just a... Um... That's correct. Yeah, okay, great. Okay, good. Um, the, the, interesting. I, I often talk with clients about board meetings, and maybe you'll agree or offer a friendly amendment, that you have to remember as a staff leader that your board comes in and goes away. And in between, it has... Board members have lives and jobs, and your life and your job is usually your work, but not clearly not your board members. And you have to be, you have to have ongoing 
touch points between board meetings. And every board meeting, you have to sort of start with when last we left, right. here's what happened, right. right? Because it's a it's a whole ongoing story for staff, but for board, it's like you, you pick up a book, you put it down, and then you come back to it a quarter later, and you're not as clear as as you could be about what happens. Well, what was surprising to me was why you would have board members who weren't volunteering for anything. I didn't really understand the process of selecting a board and how long they stay on and how you keep it fresh and active. Um, I felt that only the same people were the same handful of people were doing all of the responsibilities. And um, some people were just kind of dead weight and I didn't know why they were still there. <laughs> right. right. Dead, and I yeah. was frustrated. I was really, really frustrated because um, I wanted to get more done. Did but you volunteer to be on a committee? I did. What committee did you volunteer to be on, Eileen? I think it was the fundraising committee. Okay, and was that um, so? I want to. It was get... very poorly chaired, mm. and um, it 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 had there were more no's than yeses, and the the upshot of all of this more no's that, than yeses meaning oh we can't do that we tried that before and it didn't work or just telephone meetings that never happened although they were scheduled. So, uh, or, or if they if they did happen, uh, there weren't enough people on the call for it to be valuable. Correct. Yeah. That would be a good that would be a good way of putting it. <laughs> and the, and the other thing is, this was an organization really in need. They had a mission. They had a purpose. They were going through a transition stage structurally. But the most important thing that they needed was money. They really needed, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners are in the same situation, how do they raise money in order to do all of their activities? A lot of what they were doing was based on um, you know, events around the country, and they were really relying on those events, which were very costly events. And as part of the finance committee, um, and I want to remind you, I'm not a finance person. I'm a creative person. I'm a producer. And so anything to do with budgets and finance itself, it really forces me to study it. And because I was in the finance committee. Oh, you were in that committee too? No, no. I was in, the, I'm sorry, in the fundraising committee. I, my apologies. I decided I would study the financial situation and really look at the um, documents that were given out at each of these board meetings. And you probably and learned that they really needed to raise money, didn't you? They, I learned several things. One, they really needed to raise money. Two, that the person who was in charge of the money was doing a terrible job of, and there were lots of errors and accounting uh, mistakes. And ultimately, I'm sorry to say, I learned that it was being very poorly managed and that there were some questionable activities about the cash itself and where it was going. And I don't really want to infer any further about the you know, where that money went to, it just wasn't necessarily being spent on the activities of the organization. And that's when I decided to leave. So, 
Okay, so I'm going to play the role of somebody who is an executive director and has a board member like you. Um, and, and I would ask you the question, if I can play devil's advocate, so why didn't you raise your hand to step into more of a leadership role? It sounds like, it sounds like the board was not necessarily being as well-led, the committees were not being well-led. So why didn't you raise your hand and say, you know, I can, why don't I just do this? Right, because I am a, a doing kind of person. I like to get things done. Um, I think there were roles set out already as senior members of the organization, and the executive director had no communication with us whatsoever. Our only communication was with the um, was with the head of the board, the co-chairs actually, and um, heads of the different committees themselves. Right. So. Did you? We, did, did we you, only did, met with the executive director and his staff four times a year. Right, and you didn't feel. Did you not feel that you had the tenure to say, I, "Why don't I run the finance, the, the fundraising committee?" Or, like, what prohibited you? Well, I was I was somewhat intimidated, and I didn't really have the experience, so I certainly wanted to learn. But um, this was your first nonprofit board it experience, was, right? It was. Yes, it and was. I and, and this is really an important point, Eileen, because I think that um, people who don't have nonprofit board experience uh, can often actually be the fresh voices and faces around a board meeting table, but they they either don't feel like they have the right cred to do that, um, or the right or the right education. No one I had hoped that someone would sort of take me by the arm and say, this is how it's done. Yeah. And that's not the case. It didn't, it wasn't really an open um, relationship. It was rather a closed relationship. So I didn't really know why I was needed. What was, what were board meetings like? Very chaotic. Uh, it, we weren't given an agenda ahead of time, so we weren't prepared to to do any research or know what it was that we were t talking about. Um, the The surprising thing for me was how quickly the finances were gone through. The you know it was it, that was kind of a key moment for me was when I realized after the third board meeting that every time we had to approve the budget or look at the you know, the current status of the finances, it was done in like a split second. Everyone said, yay, nay, whatever it was. And then it was over. Right. And, and we know that that's because most people, when you say it's time for the finance report, their eyes slowly roll right. into the back of their heads, right? Right. But I'm, I'm not, you know, squeamish about understanding things. And I, as I said, over the course of a period of time, I really dug into the paper that I was given. I, I, I actually was shocked that other people were less knowledgeable than I expected them to be and didn't ask very many questions. And so it, all in all, it was a disappointment. And I stayed away from being a board member um, for quite some time. So <clears throat> we are talking with Eileen Opetut, and while she... Um, does in fact happen to be my wife. She is also a um, a very talented woman with a long, rich career as a TV programming chief and is now a realtor and developer. And she's kind of talking about 
uh, the her board member experiences as a board member and um I think has a lot to offer us today about that kind of board experiences uh, going awry. Right. So, so let's talk about that. Um, let's talk about one of the other boards you served on. It probably has a bit of a different profile. Yes. Well, this yes, completely. Um, this was a nonprofit. It was a uh, uh, a re- religion-based organization. Um, I was, you know, very interested in participating and being involved in sort of social activist activities. Um, I, I, I was persuaded over a period of time by several people. And this process taught me how the fact that I'm not a good prospect to be a board member. I, I, I sadly discovered that I should never be on a board just because of how I function and the way in which I like to see things happen. And I'm happy to tell you, you know, why. Yeah, I would. It's that. actually really helpful because I, because <clears throat> when when we work with clients to talk about board prospects, we ask we 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 offer them a lot of questions about right. what to ask the prospects. And only some of them are about the skills that they bring to the table. A lot of them are about attributes, personality attributes, because um, board service requires a certain kind of personality and attributes and disposition. And, and am I hearing in what you what you just said that it was some of the latter that made you realize that board service was not the thing for you? Well, you know, I, I want to make clear to your listeners that I've managed large groups of people. At one point in time, I managed over 200 people at a television channel. I've managed a hundred million dollar budget. Um, I'm not uh, inexperienced in terms of getting things done or managing groups of people or making sure that 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 things take place. And, I can I can bear witness to these things. Uh-huh. And so all of the things that made me, uh, you know, I, I say this with humility to whatever you know, whatever regard I have been successful, um, didn't work very well for this board. And one of the reasons is that things were very slow. Um, I am very, I really want action. And so, for example, um, I was involved with the fundraising committee. Um, I like to ask people. I'm not shy in terms of asking people for things or explaining why something's important. And it became a very sensitive subject because not everyone in the room, and this was a very large board of about 35 people. So you can only imagine that there was quite a varied you know, set of, of you know, point of views in the room. But many of the people, and I think this was the history of the organization, didn't want to ask people for money. And this was part of a very large discussion that was really poorly managed by a not very well-equipped, once again, executive director. Uh, I'm sorry, head of the board. My apologies, the head of the board. And um, Who probably, by the way, also, as you could go back to your earlier point, Eileen, probably was not given the kind of training and orientation that's required in order to be a good board chair. No, she... Because, I mean, I, I think it's... It, you know, this I think person that's, is a very good person. Yes. And a successful person. 
And I am in no way saying that she's not um, a well-intentioned person. Right. But these are just big. Was, these are big jobs for which people must be prepared right. and trained. They must be willing to invest the time. Well, and you they're know, just not. It's not. It's young, not easy. Two young children, and she was very busy at a job. Right. And um, it was a very unwieldy group of people because there were thirty-five people on this board, and it was very difficult to keep track. Now, in this case, um, we met monthly. But even that wasn't really fast enough. So I would say, okay, we're going to go away and we're going to break up this list of people that we're going to call. And here's what we're going to say. And you don't have to ask. This is the small group of people who are going to ask. We're not going to force you to do it. But then I would hear from the head of the committee that they actually had to have agreement from other members of this organization before we could move forward. So I'm just going to kind of throw this out. Let's say we had our meeting in October and we made a decision as to how to move forward. We actually couldn't do anything until their next meeting in January. So, so right. that entire period of time, we all just waited to get the okay to actually make telephone calls to people. That was once again, really, really frustrating. So the interesting thing about the, the comparing and contrasting the two experiences, <clears throat> a, um, so a board of a, a, a sort of a nonprofit, an advocacy nonprofit like yes. Board A, um, it's, a, it's clearer whether or not the board is any good at it or not, it's clearer that fundraising is a priority. When you, when you, a board um, that is uh, part of a, a faith-based entity, uh, particularly if there's a uh, if there's if there are dues, if it's a uh, you know if right. it's a Jewish organization or you know if there's whatever that the culture of a board of a faith-based organization is less about fundraising. So you were also swimming upstream, having come, the, your only other experience having been a board where fundraising, whether they did it or did it well. It was a lot clearer, whereas here you're kind of swimming upstream because this is a board that most of these kinds of boards are not accustomed to the notion of asking people for money. Well, this is I, the thing that I learned about myself. And I feel that I've been critical of the organization, both of them. Um, the first one probably should be criticized because there was some hanky-panky going on. But the second one was probably like a lot of boards right. that are, you know, managed well sometimes and not well other times. I found that I wasn't used to and couldn't really adapt to sort of formal board processes, things that had to be approved, language, um, formal voting, the way in which, uh, and I don't think it's Robert's rules necessarily, but there's a formality that I'm just a little too, not loosey-goosey, it's just, it it felt restrictive to me. I'm well, not... It almost, but, but what I'm also hearing is, um, I, I, like, you're a doer and you, that makes, can make a, a doer, can be impatient with process. Yes. yes, that's exactly what happened. And I 
slowly began to realize that this organization, although large and not necessarily managed by the most you know, competent person, was really behaving in the way that a lot of boards run. It takes time, it's, there's, there's formality. And I am a person who is used to being in control. And I think probably a lot of people who are being looked at for boards have been successful at a particular career and possibly have not um, been used to being in such a um, bureaucratic situation. Yeah, I think that's probably I think that's probably true, and I want to go to that. But really quickly, yes. in both of these situations, did you quit these? Did you I did. did you quit these boards, or did you get fired? No, I, <laughs> I no, I, I, I should have been, been, been fired. Like, I was going to say you should have been fired, right? But I, I quit, I quit. And in the second case, what was really odd was I called the person who had the several people who had urged me to join the board to explain I really wasn't the right flavor for a board. And after that, the the committee chairperson never called me right. to say, oh, I'm really sorry, you're not gonna be on, is there anything we can do? Or, I mean, I certainly wouldn't have gone back. It wasn't the board itself, it was me. Right, so, right, I think that's, I, I think it's really, really important. I, I'm not hearing, I'm not hearing that you're disparaging either of these organizations. Um, but I, I, what I'm mostly hearing, which leads me to a couple of last questions, what I'm mostly hearing here is that it, it's, it's a combination of um, not only what you bring to the table in terms of your skills and expertise, but also um, certain kinds of attributes. And those attributes are not, what's fascinating about this actually, is those attributes are not necessarily valued in corporate America in the same way that they are on a board. So I'm, you might be a you know, successful type A executive right. vice president programming chief, um, but, but the things that make you successful in corporate America may in fact make you um, a, poor cho yes. a poor choice dispositionally to be on a board. Yes. yes, exactly. I feel that I am um, a great leader of a team, but not necessarily a great team member. Um, yes, and so as a result, I, I don't think I'm well suited. I, I'm probably well suited to be the chair of a committee because that's a little more isolated and individual, but certainly not to go through the whole process of living through board meetings. So, um, so let's, let's use your experience um, limited and uh, unsuccessful though it may have been. Well, I was a terrible, <laughs> I was a terrible board member. No one should pick me. Well, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that after uh, anyone who listened to this podcast has taken your name off of a list if you were ever exactly. on it. <laughs> exactly. I don't know that, um, I'm sure there are many people like me who, um, who would like to be on a board, but um, I, I think that executive directors should steer clear. Well, let's talk about it. What do you think an organization should look for in a board member? I think someone, I always look for fresh and new ideas and a different perspective in looking at things. 
and they should try to bring people on their board who can affect change. And I think they should bring someone on board who has time or a really good executive staff who can do all the work um, and uh, someone who will, uh, you know, sort of be patient with the process and uh, perhaps also have specific skills in the areas that that board is lacking in. Maybe it's personnel or finance or PR um, or finance. Um, you know, you can go through all the different departments or the different committees and areas of a nonprofit, and perhaps there's someone who, or maybe there's someone who just is plain connected to a lot of people and can bring in other kinds of value to the organization, or at least be able to tap into money. I would also add to all of those things that if you have a group of people sitting around the table and none of them have nonprofit board experience, that's probably a challenge. That you, you definitely want somebody, you definitely want at least a few people on your board who've been on boards before, and right. so they kind of know the drill, right? I mean, I, some of this is about kind of in terms of board A you described, it's like you had no idea because you had never been on a board before. Yes. Um, so um, uh, let's talk for just a couple of minutes in, in our final couple of minutes here about advice you have for people who are approached about board service. Well, I would say that, I am saying that, <laughs> Um, <laughs> that um, it's possible that people should experience, should move slowly. And if they haven't had board experience before, to perhaps be on a committee and really learn about the inner workings of the organization, how a, a nonprofit works, before making that kind of commitment. Because I felt terrible that I had said yes and then realized, by it just was a terrible fit. And I think it also gives people the chance to get to know you and decide whether you'd be the right kind of member of the team. I think it's actually really smart. And many, many, many boards don't realize that it is perfectly okay. And in fact, a very good idea to add non-board members to standing board committees. Right. That oh, you yes. can absolutely do that, and it is a way to build a farm team, and it's also a way for that, that particular person to get a flavor for what this organization does and how process works. And, you know, I mean, there's lots and lots of reasons people join boards, and sometimes it's that they want to be, uh, you know, they, they feel like they're, and I, and I bet you got this in both of these boards, a sense of, you know, deep commitment to the work that each of these organizations was doing and being part of a community of kindred spirits is actually very uplifting and inspiring, right? Right. I also think that uh, in both cases, uh, it, it, I was actually in, in all three cases that I was on board, I was never interviewed. And I didn't get to learn about the organization and they didn't really get to learn about me. They just said, oh, well, she's a, you know, important person and she's really nice. So let's bring her on board. Um, 
And I, you know, it's a little embarrassing to say that I really flunked the tests, but I did. I think someone a little more patient and someone um, who um, perhaps is, I mean, maybe I'm just a little too impatient. I think that is what it all boils down to. And really, you think so? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, and uh, you know, certainly. I think it. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm going to um, respectfully disagree. I'm not going to disagree with the fact that you're impatient because okay. I. I actually know you. Um, but I am going to disagree that that's not with uh, that. That that's what it all boils down to. I think inherent in everything you've spoken about during um, during our time together today. Um, these boards were hungry for board members. Yes. And do you fit a profile? And they came, they came banging on your door. In one case, you were very interested in the other one. They banged on your door for quite a long time yes, before they you found, they wore you down. But there was, in neither case was there an interview. In neither case was there a, you know, a substantive orientation. Um, there wasn't a cultivation process by which you learned about the organization and the organization learned about you. Um, and, um, and I think that far too often boards are, board, organizations are so hungry to add board members <clears throat> that they don't realize that they're really hiring people to do a job. I mean, they're, right. they're, they're not getting paid, but this is a job, an important well, uh, job in the organization. It, it was sort of a flattering situation where I thought, gee, how nice it is. Um, and they were, you know, persuasive yep. and asked me to join. And I think if I had been given papers ahead of time, I mean, if, if, if a prospective board member can think of this as accepting a job, right. you would certainly do research about that company before you went to join it. And you've, you'd have the opportunity to ask in your interviews, um, you know, at whatever level, how the organization worked or what they were looking to do in the future or what their priorities were and how you would fit in. You know, I, I think prospective board members don't take this as seriously, and I wish I had. And not to disparage these organizations, but I think if I had discovered how they worked and what the history was, and if they had given me documents to review ahead of time, I might have bowed out. Right. I, mean, I might have given it a good go because I'm a good pioneer woman and you know, I want to see things happen, but I, I certainly may have recognized that there were more problems um, than, and it was taking time for those to be resolved and that I might not have have the sort of wherewithal to solve those problems. Well, and you're right. As I said at the beginning, the road absolutely runs both ways. You took a job and asked very few questions. Yes. And they hired you pretty much on the spot. Correct. Um, and in fact, came a hunting you down in one case. Yes. And um, and I think we're although we're out of time, I, I, I do want to say that you know, your experience and the experience of these two organizations, we could replace you with any number of 
highly skilled, capable individuals, and we could replace board A and board B with boards C through Z, and we would hear all the same kinds of stories, that there are people that are cut out for board service, there are people that are not, but unless the, the whole process is highly intentional on the, on the part of both the prospect and the organization, you're taking a lot of risk, because one of the risks you take is that someone uh, detaches themselves even further from an organization because they feel like a failure and they, they're embarrassed or they get sort of yes. angry that, that, that it didn't work out the way they wanted to. You have to be really careful because the person who you asked to be on your board who says yes is, a, is, is some kind of an important stakeholder and not just because of how much of a check they write. In most cases, it's not about that at all. Um, and so th the more that this is done e with intention, you wouldn't hire your CFO on your staff without that same kind of intention. And it's, um, I think, long overdue for organizations to really start to think about board service in exactly that way, that it's like hiring someone for a very important job, because at the end of the day, that's exactly what it is. Um, Eileen, yeah. um, thanks a lot for joining me. Um, uh, and I'll see you at dinner. Okay. Thank you. I hope this was helpful. I, I have every confidence it was helpful. Uh, and for my listeners, uh, I, I trust that you found it helpful. Um, and um, please take a look. There are so many podcasts now on iTunes um, covering a range of topics. We really do try to cover topics that we hear from you are important. Um, so have a look. And uh, don't hesitate to join us at joangary.com with two R's. There's a big orange box on the front page, I think on every page, that offers you the opportunity to su subscribe to the weekly articles we send out. Uh, until next time, thank you so much for joining us. Take care. Nonprofits Are Messy is a service of Joan Gary Consulting. Widely known as the Nonprofit Dear Abby, Joan's leadership blog reaches over 40,000 unique visitors monthly from over 150 countries. Subscribe at www.joangary.com.